Well, can I talk to you a few minutes while we still have some time this morning? I want you to get your Bible out. And I want you to go to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, and as you're going, elbow your neighbor and say, Remember, it's turnaround time. Makes you want to dance a little bit. <laughs> Woo! It's turnaround time, church. Hey, it is turnaround time. Mm. Things are turning. Things are shifting. Things are changing. I can hardly wait to see what your neighbors think when God's done turning things around in your life. Your co-workers aren't even going to know who you are anymore once God gets done turning and shifting and changing things in your life. Woo. Yeah, it is turnaround time. Look at Matthew chapter 5. Let's start with verse number 38. And I'm just giving you a heads up right now. You might want to just pull that imaginary seatbelt over and click it in. It's not easy today. Not easy teaching today. Jesus said, you have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you not to resist an evil person. And whoever slaps you on the right cheek, turn the other cheek also. Now that's a little different approach to turn around, isn't it? Uh-huh. I almost entitled this turning our cheeks around today, but I thought better of it. Verse 40 says, if anyone wants to sue you and take away your tunic or your outer coat, let him have the shirt off your back too. Huh. Verse 41, whoever compels you to go one mile, why don't you go two with him? Give to him who asks you, and, him, uh, and from him who wants to borrow from you, do not refuse him, do not turn away. You have also heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, are you kidding me, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Wow. Somebody say, wow that you may be sons of your Father in heaven, for he makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good. He sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, so what? Big deal. What reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? The poor tax collectors are the poster children for sinners, by the way. <laughs> And if you greet your, only your brethren or your brothers and sisters in Christ, only other believers, what do you do more than other people? Again, do not even the tax collectors do this? Big deal. Therefore, you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. Now, 
I was going to just stop right there, but I read on a little bit. Sometimes we put chapters, you know, the, whoever separated the, the Bible into verses and chapters, uh, it, we think that it's exactly how it was written and the new thought started in chapter 6, and I don't believe so. I believe it's a, a, a continuing thought. So I want to continue on. Look at chapter 6 and verse 1. Take heed, watch out, warning sign right here. Take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward from your Father in heaven. Therefore, when you do a charitable deed, do not sound the trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, they, so that they may have glory from men. Assuredly, I say to you, they already have their reward. But when you do a charitable deed, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing that your charitable deed may be in secret, and your Father, who sees in secret, will himself reward you openly. Father, we thank you for your word today. And as hard as it is to hear, as hard as it's going to be, be to receive this, we still need this. So I pray that there would be no barriers, there would be no blockades, there would be no walls today around our minds, around our hearts, but that we would completely let our guard down so that you could say what needs to be said, what you desire to say, so that truly there could be a change. Let there be a turnaround, God, not just in our attitudes and our mindset, not just in our affections and in our hearts, those hidden and unseen areas of life. Let there be a turnaround, God, in our works. Let there be a turnaround, God, in our actions. And let it start today. We give you thanks and praise for it. We pray it in the mighty name of Jesus. Come on, shout amen. amen. One winter day, not very long ago, a man went shopping at his local neighborhood mall. When he returned to his car, he noticed a rather foul odor coming from under the hood. So he checked the engine. In the compartment, he discovered a dead cat, rather mutilated from being caught in a fan belt. I know. The poor cat had sought shelter from the snow and from the cold and didn't realize the dangers of resting on a warm engine block. Mr. Jones was lucky that day. One of his shopping bags was made of plastic, so he emptied out all its contents and he proceeded to scrape and pull and push the cat corpse into the bag. With a bang, he slammed the hood down and he walked off toward the mall to wash his hands. But looking back, he noticed something strange and peculiar. He had left the bag on the hood of the car. He was about to return to pick it up when he saw a lady walking by and she looked suspiciously in both directions and grabbed the bag as quick as she could, shoved it into her cart and sped off toward the mall. Well, this is just too good to be true, the man thought as he laughed at the lady and he decided he was going to follow her and see what might happen next. She went into a restaurant and proceeded to survey the prize in her bag, and the woman screamed in horror as she looked into the bag. And then she slumped to the floor. 
fainted away completely. The management, of course, was equally alarmed that a customer had fainted in their establishment, so what'd they do? They called the paramedics. The woman in no time at all was strapped to a gurney and ready to be hauled off to the ambulance, but the man just could not resist. Hey, lady, he shouted from across the room, don't forget your package. And with that, he gently laid the cat corpse-filled bag on the lady's chest just as the ambulance doors were closing. <laughs> you know, that's why it's best not to let the cat out of the bag. I'm sorry. You blame that on Karen Lennerville. She said it last service, and I couldn't resist it. Let's face it, folks. Some people don't, just don't do right. You work with people who just don't do right. You've got family members that just don't do right. How about this? Let's be honest. Sometimes we just don't do right. How many would be honest to say today and say, Pastor, there's sometimes I just don't do right. Sometimes I find it hard to do right, to speak right. If we're not honest and, and not saying, yeah, this is an area, then we're going to stay right where we are. Don't go looking for a turnaround in your marriage. Don't go looking for a turnaround down here if you can't get some things turned around right here. See? People don't do right, that's right. That's for sure. But sometimes we don't do right. Reminded me of another story that I read about a man in Nebraska one summer evening in Broken Bow, Nebraska. A weary truck driver pulled his rig into an all-night truck stop. He was tired. He was hungry. Already had a long day. The waitress had just served three tough-looking, leather-jacketed motorcyclists. Looked like they belonged to the Hell's Angels. And they decided they're going to give this man a hard time. They decided they wanted to have a little fun with somebody. Not only did they verbally abuse him, one grabbed up his hamburger, another took a handful of his French fries, and the third one just picked up his coffee and began to slurp it down. How did the trucker respond? I wonder how we would respond. How would you respond? I know what I thought I would do. <laughs> I know what I probably would have done. Well, the trucker did not respond as one might expect. Instead, he calmly rose, he picked up his check, and he walked to the front of the room. He put the check and his money on the cash register and just quietly walked out the door. The waitress scurried and, and followed quickly to put, put, uh, to, to put the money in the drawer and, and just stood watching this man as he walked out the door and as he got in his big truck and as he drove away into the quiet night. She returned and one of the motorcyclists gruffly said to her, well, he's not much of a man, is he? She replied, I don't know about that. But he sure isn't much of a truck driver. He just ran over three motorcycles on his way out of the parking lot. <laughs> How many felt good about him doing that? You'll be honest today. Now come on. 
See? I thought so. I kind of felt good about that. Yeah. Right? Because that's how we're built. That's how we're built. Now, this is a lighthearted story right here. But I'm just telling you, it, it's telling. It's, it's showing. Yeah. It, it is turnaround time. It's turnaround time. We started this series by asking God to help us turn our attitudes around, our minds, our thinking. We decided a few weeks ago, even though we've been hurt, even though we've been disappointed, even though things have happened to us, even though people we love have died, we are not living in the land of mourning. We're not living in the land of discouragement. We are, with the help of the Holy Spirit, with the help of God, we're moving on and we're going to have an attitude adjustment. We're turning our attitudes around, turning our thinking around. No more stinking thinking. That's the unseen area, right? If we followed that with a, a turning of our hearts, turning our affections around. This is where the where love lives. This is where our feelings are, our affections in the heart. It's also where wickedness of all sorts are housed and just ready to display, even in the believer. But thanks be to God, He's not only turning our minds around, thanks be to God, He's also turning our hearts around. Today we're going to, turn, we're going to look at turning our actions around. This, folks, speaks of right works. Right mind, right thinking, right heart. Right works. You see, when our attitudes start turning in the right direction, by the way, thank you, Pastor Dave, for putting together this little, this little video, this little promo video to this series. I just keep, I keep seeing uh, the cogs of the inner workings of machinery or even a clock or a, a watch just turning. And when one wheel turns, it will turn the other wheel, and that wheel will turn another wheel, and so on, and so on, and so on. But if one wheel is broke, all wheels stop. One cog is clogged, all cogs stop. But when one cog starts turning, folks, it starts a chain reaction, and another wheel will start turning here, and another wheel will start turning here, and another turn, and another turn. Right attitudes, right thinking starts turning. It starts that chain reaction of turning. Our affections and our heart begin to change and turn. The next step is our action. How many have heard the phrase, actions speak louder than words? You ever heard that? A lot of truth to that. Actions do speak louder than words. The true test of a turnaround will be seen. Don't tell me that you love someone. You've got to show this. Don't tell me that you, that you uh, care for your neighbor. You've got to show this. It's in your actions. I want to talk to you just a few minutes this morning. What is the proof that a turnaround has begun? First of all, it's in doing. 
the proof that there's actually a shift in your life, the proof that there's change occurring, a turnaround is in the process, it's in doing. Look at verse number 38, it, it says again, Jesus said these words, you've heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Did you know Jesus is actually quoting scripture here? Some may find this alarming. What? Sounds very vengeful. He quoted from Exodus 21 and 24, Leviticus 24 and 20, and Deuteronomy 19 and 21. He referenced all three of those when he said, you've heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. He was simply quoting Old Testament scripture here. Because uh, in the Old Testament, this was a way of life for people. This was not, in fact, revenge. This was part of the justice system. They implemented this so you wouldn't take revenge on someone else. If you lost something, it was going to be repaid. You had to repay that. If someone cut off your hand, then the law said their hand had to be cut off as well. If someone poked out your eye, then the law said their eye would be poked out as well. This was all part of the law. It was a part of living for the Old Testament people. Unfortunately, it's a way of living for a lot of people today. They still think, I'm going to get you because you got me. Very few people understand the golden rule. Does anybody remember what the golden rule is? What is it, Yvonne? Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. That is the golden rule. It's still the golden rule, and it still works today. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Most people want to take and twist this scripture to say, do unto others because they did unto you. Some will say, do unto others before they do unto you. Our society likes to live by the eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But Jesus comes in and he turns everything around with radical teaching. Crazy talk. He says, you've heard it said, you've heard it taught even from the Pharisees and the Sadducees. You've heard this preached from religious leaders, but now I'm going to tell you something else. Change your actions. Change the, what you're doing. You've done it this way year after year and generation after generation. And he comes in and says, we've got to change the way we do things. How do you know somebody has truly had a, a radical encounter with Christ? They start doing things differently. I saw four things right here that Jesus said, and I want you to jot them down. Turning cheeks. Turning cheeks, I tell you not to resist an evil person, but whoever slaps you on the right cheek, turn your left cheek to him. Wow. I don't know of anybody who will just instinctively do this. What happens, rather, is when somebody slaps you, when somebody hits you, you just immediately get in fight position. We're going to fight after school. It's on, right? 
Nobody's just going to turn the other cheek instinctively. Your human nature will not be to turn your other cheek. Turning cheeks, giving coats. Look at verse number 40. If anybody wants to sue you and take your tunic or your outer coat, give him the shirt off your back. Let him have your inner coat as well. Turning cheeks and giving coats. We're a sue happy society. I, it's crazy, Paul. Some of the things they drag into Judge Judy's court. I'm just telling you the truth. I've never seen the like of it. I've never seen the like of it in my life. Father suing daughter, sister suing brother, and, and it goes on and on over, over pennies, over hundreds of dollars. And that's the ungodly. Never mind the son and daughter of Zion suing another son and daughter of Zion. It ought not be so. It ought not be so. But Jesus says, somebody wants to sue you and take so much of what you have, you give them even more than they bargained for. It's radical teaching. Turning cheeks and giving coats. Walking extra miles. Here's another change in our doing. Walking extra miles. The scripture says, whoever compels you to go one mile, go another mile. Go with him two miles. You need to understand that in the day that this was written, the military personnel had the authority at any time to compel someone. They were just tired, and so at any time they could just say, you look, you look able-bodied, come here. <laughs> so they'd just pull anybody. It didn't matter what you were doing. They could interrupt your day. They could interrupt your schedule. You are my uh, armor bearer now. You're going to carry what I have, my shield, my sword, anything. Whatever I had, I could just compel anyone that I wanted. And I'd say, now you've got to come with me. But the law said they only had to go a mile. And then he had to find somebody else to compel, and then Pastor Moses would go, have to go back and do whatever he's doing. Thank you, Pastor Moses. But he, the military could compel anybody. That's what that's talking about right there. And so that would kind of get on your nerves, right? I mean, you're busy. You've got somewhere to go. You're, you're out on a date with your wife, and then somebody says, I want you to carry. I'll be back. You know, I've got to go walk a mile, but I'll be back. <laughs> Jesus said, how about you just walk two with them? You only have to go one. Go two. What? What's this soldier going to say? I mean, by law, you only have to go this one. I know. Come on. Come on. I know I'm only supposed to go one. I know you only asked me to go one. I know the law only commands me to go one. Come on. I want to carry your sword another mile. I want to carry your shield another mile. I want to carry your things another mile. It's radical teaching. It's radical. It's crazy talk, folks. Walking extra mile. Lending to those who want to borrow, number four. Talking about a change in what we're doing. How people will know there's truly a turnaround. Lending to those who want to borrow. Give to him who asks, and from him who wants to borrow from you, do not turn him away. Have you ever loaned something to someone and they never gave it back? Mike, is that you? 
Nice to see you, my friend. What a nice surprise. Great to see you. Ever loaned something to someone and they didn't give it back? Stacy, I'm giving you back what I borrowed from you yesterday. Now, don't keep bringing that up. Daisy's birthday today. Thank you so much for your love for my family and always, always uh, making my family feel so special when birthdays roll around. You know, for the Bland family, it's a birthday week. We're going to milk this thing. We're going to get all the goodness and juice out of it that we can. So it's not just today. We started yesterday, and we're going to just keep rolling out this birthday. Yeah, kind of what we do. So we kind of had a list of what we're going to do. She wanted a jumper, and so we're jumping, and she wants some friends over, and we're going to have lunch and, you know, a list. Then she says she wants to ride bikes. That wasn't on the list. And the tires weren't ready. So I called, I called Stacy Trotter, and I said, you have, a, you have an air pump that I could borrow? He's got one of these that you plug into the cigarette lighter. I'm telling you, no time flat. I had all the tires. So nice. But I haven't returned what I borrowed from him yet. <laughs> but I promise you, my hand before God, I promise you. But it's irritating when you loan something out to someone, and they don't have the decency to even return it. Makes you not want to loan to anybody, doesn't it? See, Jesus is getting to the in, intent of the heart. He's getting to the mindset that we have. He knows us so very well. And we are not so different from the people that he spoke to on that day. We are very much like them. God, give us ears today to hear this as hard as it is. Go ahead and loan to that one knowing that you may not get it back. To him who wants to borrow, don't refuse him. It's just radical teaching. This, to me, folks, is the true test of turnaround. It's not time to get to the turning of the marriage around yet. It's just not. we got to get to the mind. we got to get to the heart. we got to get now to the actions. This is the nitty-gritty right here. All that will turn... In due time, see? Got to get the right wheels turning here. Right mindset. Ooh, it locked into the right heart. <laughs> right affections now. Clicked right into right action, see? Right doing. It's in doing. It's also, number two, it's in loving. Jesus went on to say in verse number 43, you've heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Again, Jesus is actually quoting Scripture and referring to Old Testament Scripture. Now, before you stone your pastor and say, where does it say to hate your enemy? Right? I, I thought the same thing. I had to dig this out a little bit, folks. And I found something out. The Pharisees were famous for taking the scripture that they wanted to make work for them and twisting it. And that's exactly what Jesus was actually busting out right here, uncovering. The Pharisees had twisted Old Testament scripture. I'll give these to you. You can look them up later if you'd like. Leviticus 19, 18. You definitely need to see Psalm 139 
19 through 22. Psalm 139, 19 through 22. I wanted to go and pray this very same prayer that just praise God, utterly destroy my enemies. Kill them. Hurt them. That's what the psalmist is praying. I've wanted to pray that. See, and Jesus, Jesus knew. They took something that a, the psalmist David was praying and that he was just being honest with the Lord, see? And they made a whole doctrine out of it. Psalm 149 through 11 is another one. They twisted the Old Testament scripture as teaching that they should love only those who love them in return and that they should hate their enemies. Hold on, everybody. Come on, brace yourself. Are you ready? Here comes some more radical teaching. Here comes some more crazy talk from Jesus. He says, change your loving. Change your loving. I know that after uh, generation after generation, you've been taught this. You've even heard this from your religious leaders who you've come to respect and revere and accept what they teach. Jesus says, he just spins it all around. Spins it all around. He said, love your enemies. Look at verse number 44. Love your enemies. Who can do this? Who can just naturally do this? Love your enemies. Bless those who persecute you. Now, folks, this is talking about instead of, <laughs> instead of um, speaking poorly about them, People who are persecuting you and saying bad things about you, the Bible's saying, Jesus is saying, say good things about them. That's hard. Trust me, that's hard. Bless those who persecute you. Bring up 44 still if you don't mind. Do good to those who hate you. Why would anybody hate you, Brenda? You're so lovely. You're so wonderful. You're such a godly woman. Why would anybody hate me? I'm just trying to do the work of the Lord here. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter why they hate you. There just may be somebody who hates you, who can't stand you. They despise you. Does that give you license to hate them back? No. It says to do good to those who hate. There's the doing part again. See, it's in, in the doing, in the loving, they're tied together. Do good to those who hate you. You will not have the ability on your own to do these things. And it says pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. And not to pray that they die. <laughs> not to pray that they fall off a cliff. Not to pray that they're in an accident. Not to pray that the devil would just get them. He knows, Jesus knows how we are. He gets right to the intent. He knows that we'll justify it all day long. They hurt me. He had an affair with my wife and you're telling me to... Pray that God would bless him. Do you know, pastor, that they came in and robbed me and stole everything that I have? Do you know that they kidnapped my daughter and raped her? 
And you're telling me to pray for them and bless them and do good to them? I can't do that. That's the whole point. You can't do it. But Christ in me, Christ in you, you can do anything. And people will take notice. They will take notice that something is different. They'll, they'll take notice that there's a turning, there's a shifting. It will be proof. I love what Stephen did in Acts 7, 60. It says, he knelt down and he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. They're stoning him, by the way. He is, he is just breaths away from dying. Lord, don't hold this charge to them. Do not charge them with this sin. And when he had said that, he fell asleep. He died. Jesus, greatest example I could find, he prayed for those who crucified him. Luke 23, 34, Jesus said, Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. Huh. One little side note here, folks, about in your loving the scripture says that it's not enough to love those who love us. Not enough. Not good enough. You know what? You're easy to love. Most of you. <laughs> See, I can razz you. You are easy to love. You, each and every one of you. And Karen and I do love you. But how, how could we not? Because you love us. <laughs> That's easy. It's easy to love people that love you. Jesus said, how about the people who don't love you? How about the people who talk about you behind your back? Wow. Look at verse 46. For if you love those who love you, big deal. Whoopee. What reward have you? Tax collectors do that. Sinners do that. Corey Ten Boom she shares this true story in her book, The Hiding Place. How many are familiar with Corey Ten Boom and her, her great, great book, The Hiding Place? She was taken captive during World War II, and she was held in the concentration camp in, uh, in Germany. What, where was it? Ravensbrück. She had this to say. Listen to this. It was a church service in Munich that I saw him. The former SS man who had stood guard at the shower room door in the processing center at Ravensbrook, yes. He was the first of our actual jailers that I had seen since that time. And suddenly it was all there. The room full of mocking men, the heaps of clothing, Betsy's pain-blanched face. He came up to me as the church was emptying, beaming, and bowing. How grateful I am for your message, Fraulein, he said, to think that, as you say, he has washed my sins away. His hand was thrust out to shake mine, and I, who had preached so often to the people in Blumendahl, the need to forgive, kept my hand at my side. Even as the angry, vengeful thoughts boiled through me, I saw the sin of them. 
Jesus Christ had died for this man, was I going to ask for more? Lord Jesus, I prayed, forgive me and help me to forgive him. I tried to smile. I, I struggled to raise my hand. I could not. I felt nothing, not the slightest spark of warmth or charity. And so again, I breathed a silent prayer, Jesus, I cannot forgive him. Give me your forgiveness. As I took his hand, the most incredible thing happened. From my shoulder, along my arm, and through my hand, a current seemed to pass from me to him. While into my heart sprang a love for this stranger that almost overwhelmed me. And so I discovered that it is not on our forgiveness any more than on our goodness that the world's healing hinges, but on His. When He tells us to love our enemies, He gives, along with the command, the love itself. How do people know that things are turning around in your life? It's in your doing. It's going to be in your loving. There's one more area as we close. It's in your giving, folks. As I read chapter 6, the first few verses, I noticed that they're very closely connected here. You're doing, you're loving, and you're giving. There's five, five things I want you to jot down right here in this area of, of giving. Number one, we give not to be seen. Verse number one, take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. How many times have we been guilty of parading and flaunting our giving, giving with the wrong heart, the wrong motive, the wrong attitude, not to be seen, not to be heard. Verse number two, therefore when you, when you give, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues or in the streets. Hey everybody, I'm about to give today. And it's a lot of money. <laughs> if you only knew how much money I'm about to give, well I'm going to go ahead and tell you since I know you're wondering. <laughs> Let me go ahead and tell you how much I'm going to give. All for the glory of God. And see, that's number three right there. It's not for your glory. It says, it goes on to say in verse two, that they may have glory from men. Some people want to give just so they can have the pats on the back and the accolades and the attaboys and girls. Listen, folks, there's, a, there's a, a reward day coming. When you give, it's not for your glory. It is for the glory of Almighty God. Should be done in secret, number four in your area of giving, should be done in secret. But when you do a, a charitable deed, when you give, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. That your giving may be in secret. To me, this just reinforces how important our worship in giving is to God. It is so intimate, and it is so private, and it is so reverent that we are not to parade it. We are not to display it. We are not to flaunt it. There'll be times that I shouldn't even tell my wife 
because I'm prompted by the Holy Spirit. I'll just do it unto God. Number five, the Father will, underline will, reward. And your Father, verse four, who sees in secret, he himself will reward you openly. That really stood out to me that in secret, he will himself. He's not going to delegate this to some hirelings. He's not going to say to Michael or to Gabriel or one of the other archangels, won't you take care of this for me? God himself is going to see what you have done in secret. God himself is ready to reward you openly for what you do. So powerful. Pastor Moses, I want you to come. Folks, I know this is not easy teaching not easy to hear, but it's not going to be easy to apply. I would even go as far to say that it is impossible for you to actually apply this. I'm preaching something to you that's impossible for you to apply and to implement into your life. On your own. In your own strength. Tom, you're a good man. But you can't do this on your own, sir. Jesus knew that. It's all a setup. <laughs> it's all a setup. Jesus knew they couldn't accomplish this without the help of the Holy Spirit. That's why, folks, we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit and continue to be filled with the Holy Spirit. When this happens, the Holy Spirit will enable us to act right, the doing, to love right, the loving, and to give right. I want you to bow your heads all over this room. If you're here this morning and you'd say, Pastor, I am struggling in this area of my actions and my works. But I'm ready for this to turn. I do want to do what is right, to love the right way, to give with the right heart and the right attitude, but I'm struggling in my actions. I want you to pray for me. If that's you, just slip your hand up and put it right back down all over this congregation. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Mm. Father, as hard as this teaching is, and even though there's part of us that bristles, there's another part of us that just wants to relax into this. There's another part of us, God, that we're drawn to this challenge by you. But the simple truth is, we cannot do this in our own strength. Our human instinct, Lord, will not be to do what you've asked us to do, to, to, to do what you've called us to do. So I'm praying, Lord, for all congregants here that we would be filled with your spirit and with your ability and with your power 
you would help us, God, in, in the doing, in the loving, in the giving. All for your glory. All for your honor. We pray it in the name of Jesus. Come on, everybody, stand as Pastor Moses leads us in this chorus. Yes, we do, God. All to thee. throw up one hand and just surrender today. our attitudes and our actions would be turned around, God. Help us to love. Help us to do. God, help us to, uh, to receive all that you would have for us, God, and to be your vessels, Lord Jesus. Help us to give today. Father, we ask your blessings and help us to be a blessing to others. God, we love you. We give you praise this day. In Jesus' name, amen. 